0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunday Morning with the Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me today. Hope your Sunday's going well, and hope you're ready to dive into the Word of God. Those who are regular listeners may remember a couple of weeks ago, we did a couple of teachings on seeing the Messiah within the covenants that are in the Old Testament, and we're going to pick back up on that theme, but we're going to look at the Messiah throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We're not going to cover all that in one day, but we will start, of course, in Genesis, and we'll just start working our way up to Revelation and just hitting some high points, not looking at every single piece of the scripture about where the Messiah, where we can see the Messiah in scripture, but we're going to hit a lot of it, and we're just going to let the Holy Spirit lead us and just pray that this teaching will help you. It's really good to just be able to pick up the Word of God and read it, let the Holy Spirit teach us, and let Him teach us about His plan of redemption. And so if you're not a believer and you're listening to this, I pray that it'll help you understand that the Bible is true. Jesus is real. He is the Messiah, the Savior of mankind. And we're going to get into Scripture here in a moment, but before we do, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus thanking you for another day that you have given us. Father, you've given us breath in our lungs. You've given us the ability to have another day. And God, that's a blessing. And we thank you for that and pray that we will choose to live this day for you and to love, serve, obey you well today, Father God, and bring you glory in our lives. And Father, just ask you to bless this teaching today, Lord. Ask you, Holy Spirit, to teach us. May we... Be doers of your word, so as we hear your word, may we apply it to our lives. And Father, I pray for those who do not have that relationship with you. I pray today will be the day that they decide, I want you, Jesus. I'm ready to give my life to you and surrender their lives to you today. So, Father, we again thank you. We praise you. We love you. And it's in your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. As I mentioned, I don't know how long it will take to go through this, uh, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a few weeks. I don't know, but we'll just let the Holy Spirit have his way. I think it's a very important topic to teach on, obviously, the Messiah, because when we look at the Bible, it's 66 books, making up one book, the greatest seller of all times, the Bible, and people who are not familiar with the Bible may look at it and go, man, that's a big book. (laughs) It is, but it is a fascinating book. And as you break it down one book at a time through all 66 books that are in the Bible, you see a beautiful story that's weaved together. And it's just amazing how all these thousands of years, it can all weave together and show us that the Bible is all about God redeeming mankind through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah. And in fact, the the apex of the Bible is Jesus Christ. And therefore, as we look at themes that are within the Bible, there's no surprise that the main central theme of the Bible is the Messiah. And we see God, he has a redemptive plan for mankind, and we see his, his redemptive plan wrapped up all in the Messiah. And we know that the Messiah is Jesus Christ as we read, as we study the Bible. And we come to that conclusion because it's obviously, it's told us in the New Testament who the Messiah is, is Jesus. But as we look at the Old Testament, we see that, yes, it really is Jesus. And Jesus is who he says that he is. And we see this redemptive plan of God coming all together. And this theme of the Messiah is ingrained throughout the entire scope of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, You see Jesus in it. Now, I want to tell you not to read Jesus into every single sentence, every single verse in the Bible. That's just not the way it is, but it all comes together and tells us the story of God's plan of redemption for you and for me and for everyone in this world. And if we just receive his son, Jesus Christ, we will be redeemed and brought back into that right fellowship with Jesus so let's jump in it this morning, and first of all, let's look at that word Messiah. It's important to understand the terms and the words that we talk about, obviously, so we're not just saying something and not really understanding, knowing what it is. So, Messiah, it isn't always used uh, in every single scripture. You won't see it said, "The Messiah is coming" or "The Messiah is here." You may not use that word, Messiah. But the concept of the Messiah lies within the entire scope of the Bible. And as we read forward in the, New, in the Old Testament, what I mean by reading forward is as we read the Old Testament, it points forward toward the Messiah and his coming. And as we read the New Testament, we read back. We see where prophecy has been fulfilled in the Old Testament. And that's how the apostles, the early church, spread the gospel. They use scripture, they used the old, what we call the Old Testament to show people, especially the, the Jewish people, that Jesus fulfilled these prophecies that are in the Old Testament, that they're familiar with that part. They're simply telling them, hey, this is Jesus, this is the Messiah that was prophesied. And they, they show how during his life here on earth, he fulfilled those prophecies, including rising again and defeating death and ascending to heaven. As we read the Bible that way, the Old Testament forward, New Testament looking back, the Messiah just jumps right off the pages at us, and it's it gets clearer. And so if you, you're only reading the New Testament, which is awesome, if you're reading the New Testament, any part of the Bible, praise God, we need more people reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God. But if you kind of stayed away from the Old Testament because you're afraid, well, I might not understand it start reading it from the from the old testament I, and I hope I pray that today's teaching and and as we go through the the old testament that'll encourage you to to, to start reading it because then you you'll start seeing your eyes will be opened up to the to seeing that wow this is talking about Jesus because it's it's looking forward and and if you know the new testament then you can say hey, okay, this is a prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. This is talking about my Lord. It's exciting to, to read the Bible that way. I just want to encourage you to do that. And the theme of the Messiah obviously is so crucial because without the Messiah, we have no hope of escaping God's wrath. We, we have no hope of being reconciled with our creator God. And we have no hope of living eternally in paradise with him in his eternal kingdom so the Messiah is obviously crucial and as I mentioned earlier is the apex of the Bible Jesus Christ and as we see the Messiah and the concepts of a Messiah in the Old Testament it really prepares us for the coming of the Messiah and now we know in the day and age that we live in we know that he has come and he lived the perfect life here on earth he died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the grave to give all who believe eternal life. And it just comes even more life as we read the Old Testament and see how Jesus is all in the Old Testament. But I'm jumping ahead of myself here because I just get excited talking about the Word of God. But just want to keep reiterating that as we read the Old Testament, see that Jesus is all in the Old Testament. So let's define the term, the word Messiah and I'm going to use the Vines Complete Expiratory Dictionary to define Messiah. The Messiah is the anointed one, and it's used in the Old Testament to refer to one who is anointed with oil to symbolize the reception of the Holy Spirit, enabling him to do an assigned task, such as kings and high priests and prophets. Uh, the word is also used, most importantly, to refer to God's promise to King David, and that's the Davidic covenant that we talked about a couple of weeks ago in Second Samuel chapter 7, and it immediately refers to the Davidic dynasty, but ultimately it points to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. The word Messiah is specifically used in Daniel chapter 9 verses 25 through 26 in the King James translation when Daniel predicts the promised Messiah, and here the Messiah means the anointed one, a consecrated person, the great deliverer of Israel. And let's read that. Daniel chapter 9, verses 25 and 26. "'Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and three scores and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troubled times.'" And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood unto the end of the war. Desolations are determined. So we won't get into all the specifics that Daniel's talking about there. We'll do a study of Daniel another time because it's a very intense, fascinating book, very intense book. But you see there he's talking about the Messiah, and he's prophesying the Messiah. And we know he's talking about the anointed one, a consecrated person, the great deliverer of Israel. So we've defined the Messiah, and now let's go into the Old Testament. And the Old Testament starts this ongoing history of salvation, which culminates in the coming of the Messiah in the New Testament. and the Old Testament... Again, fascinating. Don't be intimidated by the Old Testament. Start reading and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you fascinating scripture throughout the Old Testament. And what we see is the Old Testament records really some complex messianic prophecies and foreshadows the Messiah, which God inspired the writers of the Old Testament to record all of that. And Genesis, first book of the Bible really orients us with the right context to see the Messiah going throughout the Bible. And as we read in the New Testament, we see Scripture from Genesis is one of the most quoted texts by New Testament authors. And from the very beginning, we see this connection to the Messiah. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. It starts out, in the beginning. We look at John, the Gospel of John, in the New Testament, and his Gospel begins with the very same words, in the beginning. And John writes that the Word was in the beginning, and that the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's a fascinating connection there. In Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in John, we see, in the beginning, the Word was with God, the Word was God. God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus right there. The Messiah is right there in the creation. And John goes on to write that all things came into being through him, through the word. And in verse 14 of John chapter 1, he writes, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we see from the beginning, the Messiah is in creation and The connection to John chapter one, that the Messiah, he was the word, the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. He lived here on earth, God incarnate. And we see that in scripture as we look at the prophets, Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14 prophesies, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Right there, we see the Messiah being prophesied, and we see the fulfillment of that in the New Testament. Then we can also look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And then in Galatians, in the New Testament, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Paul writes, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, verse 5 says, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So as we start looking at these scriptures and connecting them all together, we see the Messiah. We see God's plan in creation, that all things were created through the Word, through Jesus, his Messiah our Messiah, and we see Jesus fulfilling these prophecies of a child being born, of a virgin, and that God came to live with us, Jesus, his son. So back in Genesis, we know that God created, he created the heavens and the earth and everything that's within them. Then we get up to, we see he created man and he created man after his likeness. And we know that he also created woman took the rib from Adam, created woman to give Adam a, a mate, a helpmate, as the word tells us. And so here we have God with Adam and Eve. They're in this beautiful garden that God created and told them to take care of it. And he gave them very simple rule. There was one thing, don't partake of a certain fruit. <laughs> and of course, Adam and Eve were deceived by Satan, and we call that the fall. They sinned. They disobeyed God. And we see that even right there, God was showing us his plan already, that he had a divine plan already in place. And this concept of Messiah is seen right here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when God tells Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And even in the New Testament we see apostle Paul alluding to this verse in Romans chapter 16 verse 20 where he writes the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So God's going to crush Satan, right? And so he's doing that through Jesus the Messiah. Again we read in Genesis 3:15 that the offspring of the woman which as we follow genealogies, and we followed the story throughout the Bible, we see that that is Jesus. And so when you crush a snake's head, you kill it, you defeat it. And we see Jesus doing that in the New Testament as we read on through to Revelation. And we see the Apostle Paul alluding that to that right here in Romans. Then we also see prophecies about Genesis 3.15. For example, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. So Satan's going to bruise the Messiah's heel is what God is saying in Genesis 3.15. And so we see that our Messiah was crushed for our iniquities. That's prophesied in Isaiah 53. And as we go to the New Testament, we see Jesus being beaten and hung on a cross dying for our sins, so he was very much bruised. But we know that Jesus crushes Satan, crushes the enemy. We see the victorious Christ. Uh, an example in Gospel of Matthew chapter 28, verse 6, when after the crucifixion, Jesus has been buried, and the next morning the women go to the tomb, and the angel of the Lord is there, and he tells them, he's not here, talking about Jesus, for he is risen, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay and So we see a victorious Jesus. He is risen from the grave and has given us the victory over Satan, over death, over sin. And so back to Genesis three fifteen, we see this concept of the Messiah and through this concept, and I, and I say concept because God, he doesn't specifically say Messiah there, but as we read and we understand and study and look at prophecies and look at the The New Testament, we see that that this is, he is talking about the Messiah. This is the concept of the Messiah. And the hope of future victory over the serpent starts to emerge right there in Genesis 3.15. And I love that because right there, there's this huge defeat. It looks like, okay, man is just messed up. Adam and Eve has just ruined it for us. And at that point in time, they had because they were in perfect communion with God. There was no sin and they were with God, perfect relationship, and then, when they disobeyed him, a just God cannot commune with unjust, and we were separated. We being mankind were separated from God because Adam being the first man he he's our representation, he represents mankind, and disobedience brought that separation, and Adam and Eve they were cast out of the garden, and at that point, it's like it's all over with it's we've ruined it, we've lost. But God, God's had this plan since before the foundation of the earth, and he presents it to us right there to give us that hope that a better day is coming. Because he's saying, I've already got a plan in place, and Satan thinks he's won. Well, he's wrong. He's going to be crushed, and my creation is going to be redeemed and brought back into fellowship with me. And that's all coming through the Messiah, his son, Jesus Christ. So things happen pretty Quickly, it escalates from the fall to, hey, there's going to be a much better future. I'm going to take care of this God that's telling us. And so we see this in Genesis 3.15, this allusion to a future descendant of Eve who will defeat Satan. And by using the singular term offspring, you're, the offspring of the woman's going to crush Satan, right? So using that singular pronoun, he, it's obvious that God is referring to a son who will be in the lineage of the woman, of Eve. And as we follow the Bible storyline into the New Testament, we see that her offspring is Jesus, the Messiah. We see that through the genealogy uh, in the Gospel of Luke. Luke goes down through the genealogy of Jesus, and it goes all the way back to Adam. And we see that this seed, this offspring of the woman who's going to bring this victory, is going to bring us back into fellowship with God the Father, who's going to redeem us in God's great plan of redemption, is Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. And this storyline is also seen in Revelation chapter 12, where Satan and his demons are cast out of heaven and is enraged with the woman. And let's read that. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12. Here we see Jesus recounting the story of Satan being cast out of heaven And we see that, let's start in Revelation 12, verse 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you with great wrath, because he knows his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Then for time's sake, let's just skip down to verse 17. Then the dragon became furious with the woman. And went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. So we see that the dragon, who is Satan, is unleashing everything he has against God's plan here of redemption. And we know that that he and his demons stay very busy trying to destroy God's greatest creation, and that's mankind. But we have that hope. We have Jesus. We have the Messiah. And back into Genesis in verse 425, we see Eve give birth to Seth. And that's when the storyline of the Bible really pivots to a single line of Seth's descendants, which will eventually produce a king through which all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That's Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, which is the Abrahamic covenant that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And as the storyline of the Bible progresses, we are introduced to covenants, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And we see this theme of the Messiah within those covenants. And it's vital that we see that. So I'm going to touch on some of that again, because I just think it's very important for us to understand that our God is a God of promise and We understand that covenants, they are the backbone of the Bible, overall storyline, and of the Messiah. We have to see where the Messiah is in these covenants. And a covenant, as we talked about, is a relationship based on a promise. And covenants are signposts that tell us what God has for us. And he reveals to us his nature and his purpose. And then we also see humanity's nature through these covenants. These covenants are all interconnected, and his covenants are really the underpinnings, if you will, of God's relationship with his people. And as we study the Bible, it's so important to understand the context in which it was written, the context of when it was written. And so I'm going to get a little technical on you here, a little biblical history here, or actually the ancient Near East history, which is when the Bible, the Old Testament was written and it's important to understand that in the ancient near east that there were primarily two kinds of covenants one was called parity and one was suzerainty it's important to know these because we're talking about covenants and it's covenants are such an important part of the bible such an important part of the old testament pointing towards the messiah and to understand what the covenant meant when it was written it is important so it's important to look at the history of the Bible as well. So we can read the Bible through the proper biblical lens and understand the context. And therefore, we can understand the Bible better because if we try to read the Bible in our context, it's, it's not correct. We need to understand where it's coming from. Then it makes sense in our context. So uh, a parity covenant is a covenant that's established between two equal parties, such as in, in Genesis 31, where Laban and Jacob, they were in covenant. And 1 Samuel, where David and Jonathan, they covenant. So these are two equal parties, Laban and Jacob, equal parties. Jonathan and David, they're equal. They covenant with each other. Now, a suzerainty covenant is between two unequal parties. One has power over the other, such as the Mosaic Covenant where God passes down the law to Moses and Israel in Exodus 19 through 23. So there's the two main covenants of that time period, the parity between two equal parties and then the suzerainty, which is between unequal parties. God, man is what we're talking about, and obviously unequal because God is so much higher than we are. And so the first covenant that we talked about a couple of weeks ago was the covenant that God made with Noah. And we read about that in Genesis 6 through 9. And I've said this many times, and I'll keep saying it. Genesis is just such a fascinating book. One of my favorite books in the Bible. So many amazing stories here. And Noah is obviously one of it, one of those stories. And we see here in this covenant with Noah that God makes, like all the rest of them, if man's obedience, there's blessings. And if man is not obedient, then there's a curse. We see God making a covenant with Noah, and God saves Noah and his family from his wrath because he saw how evil mankind had become, and he poured out his wrath by destroying the entire earth through a flood, except for Noah and his family and the animals that were on the ark. God saved them. So we see the concept of Messiah in this story, in this covenant, because the ark is a preview of the Messiah and what the Messiah will do for us. As the ark kept Noah and his family and animals safe from God's wrath, so the Messiah will come and keep us safe from the wrath of God to deliver us from the wrath of God. So, in essence, Jesus is our ark. He delivers us from the wrath of God. If we will trust in him, as we read in First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, we won't perish in our sins, John three sixteen. We must trust Him, trust the Messiah, trust in Jesus, and He will save us from our sins, and He will save us from the wrath of God. And then we talked about a couple of weeks ago also how the rainbow is a sign of the Noah covenant. And when we see one, we remember that God's covenant with Noah, that He promised to never destroy the earth by flood again. And it's also a reminder of His promise that He's going to send a Messiah to save us from the coming wrath on mankind And you can read about that in Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 11. And I'm going to have to stop right here. We're out of time. I'm just getting cranked up. So uh, come back next week, and we'll continue the study of seeing the Messiah throughout Scripture. And we'll still be in the Old Testament next week as we read forward to the New Testament. And I hope you are getting some things from this and seeing how we need to read the Old Testament, and we need to read it forward, looking at the Messiah. And in the New Testament, we can we need to read it backward, seeing the prophecies in the New Testament, how Jesus has fulfilled them. But then also there's a future coming of when Jesus sets up his kingdom here on earth. But we will get into all that here in the coming weeks. And I tell you just, I can't stress enough, be sure to read your Bible. And don't just read over it, but Take your time, study it, ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, get involved in good Bible study classes at your church, get involved in good discipleship teaching, just absorb as much of the Bible as you possibly can because it is so good, so exciting, and wow, you just see how much God loves us and that Jesus truly came to this earth, died for our sins, rose again to give us eternal life. And if you have not received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you can do that today by just talking to him right now he gets you right where you're at he understands you you don't have to have any fancy language or any there's nothing written in concrete on what you have to say except repent as Jesus tells us to that means ask God to forgive you turn from your ways and turn to him and confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart the word says believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved the word of God tells us talk to him right now If, if you need somebody to talk with you to pray with you even give you some next steps, I'll be glad to do that. You can call us here at Love in Action at 334-494-4995. You can email me, ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. Jesus loves you. He wants to save you. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, tell people about Jesus. Show them his love. Tell them about what he's done in your life. Share your testimony. Let people know about Jesus. Well, praise God for his word. And praise God for the Joy FM giving us opportunity to share his word over the airwaves. Thank you for joining me today. And if you miss any episodes of Sunday Morning Love and Action, you can listen to them on our podcast pretty much anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Just look up the Love and Action podcast and you can go back and listen to to the messages and share them with others out through social media. Just get the word out. I don't care about me getting out there. I'm not important. His word is important. So let's share his word any and every way we can and just let people know about Jesus. Well, I pray you have a great day, a wonderful week coming up, and I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.